Hi, welcome to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. This is Andrew Rimby. This is going to be quite the dynamic, exciting deep dive episode. In this episode, I'm joined with my guest co-host, Megan Buckley, who I know very well from Stony Brook University. And we are, of course, obsessed with literature, but in this context, The Real Housewives. And congratulations are in order since Megan had gotten her PhD recently. So applause for Megan. And in this episode, we are joined with Brian Moylan, who wrote The Housewives, the real story behind The Real Housewives. And we cover topics from breaking down the recent arrest of Jen Shaw in The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City to how Lisa Barlow delivers what we think is one of the most definitive phrases this whole season. Maybe in the whole Salt Lake City franchise, we'll see. We then jump to our thoughts on The Real Housewives of New York's last season, the Beverly Hills reunion, what we think about the Bravo production, um, Andy Cohen, of course, uh, Brian's relationship with Bravo, um, a very productive conversation that he had with Ebony K. Williams um, via um, a writing um, back and forth conversation that they had, which he gets into. So there are many links in the show notes. So please do make sure that you click on them. And what I love is that I make the links hyperlinks. So you can easily just, you know, click and explore. I thank Brian Moylan so much. And I thank Megan Buckley. I hope you all enjoy this episode. It is definitely for Housewives aficionados, but even if you're not a Housewives aficionado, maybe you'll start to go into the Housewives universe. One can only hope. And here's a little teaser before we dig right into the episode, which actually talks about the upcoming Ultimate Girls Trip, which is premiering on Peacock on November 18th. So you can see why I released this episode on Monday, because there's so much happening in the Housewives universe right now. Okay, so here is our opening teaser. Enjoy, everyone. I say the best real housewives are when it's a group of women who have organic connections to each other. And I know these women have seen each other, watch what happens live. They've seen each other at BravoCon. They've been at parties. They know each other. You know, they might be friendly, but I don't know how deep mm-hmm. those ties go. So it's different when you have, you know, even at this point, like you have a, the group of ladies in Atlanta have been together for a long time, like that core group of Candy, Kenya, Cynthia, Portia. You know, they've been together for six, seven, eight years. They have a dynamic. So I'm curious how the dynamic is going to be between the people. So far, the best clip I've seen is one of Teresa saying, like, not all these women are OGs. Oh, my God. Melissa, yes. Like, is it an OG? Like, 
you know? And Teresa and cannot let what, Melissa Gorga live. She cannot. Right. She cannot. And that's what makes it interesting. So, I, so that dynamic is interesting and something we know and it's crazy, but I'm curious how that is going to work with Ramona or Luann or, you know, like, will yeah. they care about enough about each other for it to be interesting? <laughs> so, I mean, they're all great people who have given us lots of great television. So I'm looking forward to it, but I will say my expectations are low. Hi, welcome to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. I am really excited for the first time I'm actually joined by Megan Buckley as my guest co-host. Hi, Megan. Hi, hi Andrew. So happy to be here. Yeah, so Megan and I know each other from Stony Brook. She just got her PhD, so congratulations, Megan. Thank um, you. And yeah, we bonded over all things literature and housewives. So That's that right. brings me to who our featured guest is. And I'm really excited, as I know Megan is, we have Brian Moylan in our midst across the pond. Uh, he is, I have to read it, the president and founding member of the completely fictitious Real Housewives Institute and started writing about the housewives in 2011. Um, and you, if you haven't, please go over to Vulture, uh, where he does his Housewives recaps. So, you know, Brian wears many hats, as we will get into. <laughs> so thank you so much, Brian, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm very excited to, um, you know, discuss these things with you guys. I was an English major myself, so I'm ready to get into it all. Yeah. So, well... That's a great opening point of just that process of writing this book. So you've been writing about the housewives since 2011, which yes. when did the first season of Orange County come out? First season of Orange County was in 2006. Wow. And, and then I think the first season of Real Housewives of New York was 2008. Um, yeah. So were you... we're about to, we're about to get the 17th, season of Real Housewives of Orange Incredible. County. Incredible. And the trailer just came out, which is why I knew we had to oh. put this episode out. We're recording on a Saturday and this is coming out on Monday. So I usually wait a few weeks, but we can't wait for this episode because <laughs> Orange County trailer, the Beverly Hills monthly reunion special, which took up our oh. October. The Jen Shaw arrest. Oh, the yes. I mean... The, uh, the girls trip comes out this week on Peacock. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I write in the book about how I feel like 2009, 2010 was like the height of Real Housewives. It was like the Teresa Table flip and Scary Island totally. and the first season of Real Houses of Beverly Hills and all that. And it was also so new. It was really in the zeitgeist. Like you had them doing things on Saturday Night Live and late night shows and people were talking about it. And then it kind of like faded into the background a little bit. And like for fans like us, obviously it's always been very present, but I think for the public at large, you know, it's like, oh, that thing's still on. But now between Jen Shaw, Erica, like all this other stuff, I feel like we're having another moment where Housewives is coming back into the mainstream consciousness. Absolutely. Uh, so 
it is what a time to be alive <laughs> must see tv i mean i just know this morning actually i caught up on the jen shot arrest episode because i've been a little bit behind so i treated myself to like a mini salt lake city marathon and my husband was sitting next to me and he was glued to the tv he was like to be continued i need to keep watching this you know he watched the housewife and the hustler with me and he is the farthest thing from a housewife fan so absolutely brian i definitely think we're having a moment and i'm here for it yeah i can tell you that they're so they're making a jen shaw version of the housewife and the hustler i heard that and um one brian moylan is going to be a part of the uh documentary oh so I'm can you tell us when that's very coming excited out? Do you know when it's premiering, Brian? Are you allowed to tell us these these things? Um, tell us? I'm sure. I'm just telling you. Who cares? What are they going to do? Sue me? <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. I'm not that worried about. Yeah, but well, I will say I did an interview for it. Whether oh, or not okay. I'll make the final cut, who can say? But yeah. um, I'm very excited. Yeah. To, is it a winter? To see it. Is it a winter documentary or a spring documentary? They weren't sure. I think they're trying yeah. to get it out like as soon as possible because, you know, of what's going on. And also, you know, it's a ever evolving kind of situation. So I don't think they want to, uh, you Hold know, it. yeah, have it yeah. too late and be out of date. And oh, that's right. Because so. the housewife and the hustler came out right at the beginning of the Beverly Hills season. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember watching the housewife and the hustler. And then I even said to Megan, I know Brian um you know wrote erica jane's memoir yes. autobiography so i'm a little that's right i don't want to you know push too many buttons with erica jane <laughs> no but... that's fine i actually i haven't watched it it never came to the uk the uk oh. isn't as into housewives as americans are in general but the people here who are into it are super into it and they always like want to talk about it because th they don't have as many people to like talk about so uh, but so it didn't come here so i didn't see it and they asked me to uh participate in that and i because of my relationship with erica i declined but then when they were like would you like to do the jen shaw one and i was like yes please what tell me when and where and i'm there i'll well, even comb my hair megan knows i binge all of the housewives podcasts and i instagram with a lot of some housewives but david yontef from behind the velvet robe yeah and Catherine edwards and her breakdown of beverly hills was really concise and i had yeah. to shout her out because apparently you may brian have a large crush on donnie is that oh true? i have a very large crush on Do donnie is all? one of like yeah. The all-time hottest house husbands. I totally think agree. Very right? underrated. Well, just yes. so you know, when I mentioned that you have such a fond, and we all do, affection for Donnie, Catherine took a selfie from the airplane when she was traveling and said, here's my hot husband. So, <laughs> you know, that's for you, Thanks, Donnie Catherine. and Catherine. Yeah. And that was my research as I, as Megan was catching up on Salt Lake City, because I kept saying to <laughs> Megan, Megan, you need to see the breakdown of the behind the scenes episode yeah. because I loved when they showed the producers and installing yes. the cameras. I want more of those moments. Well, and I think it was really interesting in this be instance because that is all such a part of the story. Like, I think, you know, I think that we've seen them breaking the fourth wall more and more, 
And, you know, I don't mind when they do, especially when the production becomes part of the story in one way or another, like Nini assaulting the cameraman or, mm. you know, Denise sitting down for an interview or things like that. But um, with this, I mean, it's such a crazy thing. We all know they're filming a show. We want to see like how the whole thing went down. And I, when they started the season, obviously the first few minutes when they showed Jen getting arrested was riveting. But then I was like, you're ruining it. What else are we going to have? And then we get to the moment. I was like, oh my God, they had so much more. It's better like, than we could have imagined it being. Yeah. Truly. Oh my God. I'm very excited and about all I, of it. I was thinking, Brian, like in that scene, just because I had just finished your book earlier this week when the producer came onto the bus and was mm. like, are you guys really thinking about not going on this trip? And I was like, oh my God, the trips, like the whole discussion in the book of who pays for the trips and you know, yeah. all of that behind the scenes. It was just so fresh in my mind. Yeah, well, and like, even- This poor producer. Like Brian, yeah. what do you make of the storyline of, it was Meredith's trip, but then Heather kind of became the surrogate person for the trip? I'm like, wait, what does that mean? Girl, it's all bullshit is what I'm saying. Is like, they found a way to get a free house. Well, that, and that's what's interesting <laughs> is because like with COVID and whatever, you know, the calculus is a bit different because normally, you know, I explain in the book how they are trading uh, exposure for the resorts and things that they go to for deals or free rooms or whatever, which is often why we see them going in the middle of the week or going off season or whatever. And the, it, it is very beneficial to these places to be on television financially, but now when people can't travel or traveling difficult or mm. aren't traveling, you know, it's been a little curious. And but then we saw them go to that giant house in Lake Tahoe on Real Houses of Beverly Hills. And it's like, and then they show like, oh, here's the Airbnb listing or whatever. So they must have just like gotten to deal with Airbnb. So they figured out a way around it to get themselves like free houses. But yeah, Meredith being like, I rented a house for my family, but they can't come. Bitch, you are lying straight to our faces. Like, Bravo got you a free house so that you could all go on a trip and you're all gonna go on a trip. Yeah. So yeah, that whole episode, <laughs> though, it that. really just because it's right. Well, when this comes out, we're gonna actually. I heard as Andy Cohen spoiled. Well, <laughs> spoiled is a loose term. <laughs> you know, did his publicity um, yeah. that this is the most intense episode or favorite episode of his when we actually see the uh, bus ride. Um, yes, the eight-hour trip. The eight-hour right? trip Where when they keep all of the women are like trying to think through what exactly. happened and are really learning all of these things that Jen Shah did. Yeah, I, I heard that too. Wait, and I have to say, I have been on a journey with Lisa Barlow, and we were just yes, saying I, that I love I her. Love Could her. not stand her. I still cannot stand her, but I'm beginning to appreciate her contributions. And it, there, I can pinpoint the moment it happened. It was when they're sitting on the bus yes. and and Heather goes, should I call Jen? And she's like, I, I don't think so. you should. Yes. Like in this way, that was- Her nuance, the way she delivered <laughs> that, it was so in her gut. Like I could tell she's thinking and calculating, wait, uh, Jen is probably under a federal investigation right now. Like, no, no. Yeah. I even Not listened, the best time. Yeah. And 
What's funny is I just actually messaged Lisa Barlow this morning on Instagram because when I notice the housewives who respond when I, you know, say how much yeah. I enjoy their interviews and Lisa Barlow always, it's so nice. She gives all these hearts, heart emojis. <laughs> and like I did say to so her- So Lisa the way, Barlow, yeah, so on I, I said, when you said, I don't think so, that was the moment where I realized, oh, Lisa knows the pulse of what's happening here. Yeah. yeah. Well, and somebody on Twitter likened, I forget who it was. I think it might be Oh No Bravo. It was one of like the Bravo meme accounts. It said that Lisa Barlow is like the puppet master who forgot to crouch behind the stage. And like, <laughs> I think that's absolutely correct. It's like, she's trying to manipulate it, but she's so bad at it that you can see her doing it. And, but I'm starting to like appreciate all of that. So, yeah. so my husband and I had, there was a line that, um, Marlo said when all the women were going to Greece and they arrive at the airport and Kenya had just announced her divorce to that loser Mark or whatever. And Candy says to Marlo, you know, she's really hurting. It's really fresh. I don't think you should bring up what's going on with Mark. And Marlo goes, I don't know that I can help that. And so that's it. We say that to each other all the time. Like, I don't know if I can help that. And we have since changed to... I don't think you should. <laughs> That's and our I was new catchphrase like, to each other. It is. I, I think that is the line that, I, well, I will always remember how Lisa Barlow delivered that because it was yeah, very it authentic. All in the delivery. Yeah. Well, and I just love how Jenny said, no, no, we need to go on this trip. Like you could just tell how like each housewife was positioning the hierarchy and where they are in the season. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It was you know what's great. what's funny too is um I'm like thinking Brian about the part of your book where you talk about I think it, actually it's Kristen Teekman it's a quote from from Kristen where she's mm -hmm. like you know like some housewives they they come on their first season and they're one way and then in their sophomore season they're mm -hmm. another way it really takes like the three season stride she calls it right yeah so I think like with Lisa Barlow the first season I just thought she was too much like I, I just thought like there's no way this woman is a real person and she was trying so hard. But now yes. in season two, I like it's just who she is. And I'm so endeared to her. I think she's great, honestly. Well, I, she's shaping up to be a world-class villain, a la like a Kenya Moore or mm. somebody like that. But I think the difference is like with Kenya, she's so awful to everybody, but her personal life is such a mess that you feel bad for her. Whereas with Lisa, she's just kind of like awful. And, you know, she has what seems to be a nice husband and two lovely children who she only feeds Chick-fil-A and like donuts. <laughs> so I don't know how they're so thin, but I mean, God bless. And yeah, so, but I, I'm warming, though I don't want to be friends with Lisa Barlow, I am warming to her presence on the I show. Do, I do, I do. I do too. I want to be friends. We're New Yorkers, Lisa Barlow. <laughs> no, but you know what it is, Brian, too? I think because, and I'm sure, do you listen a lot to the Housewives giving podcast interviews, like long extended discussions? Occasionally, I find it gets a little too inside baseball sometimes. Also, this is like my job. And so sometimes I just want to not do housewives. Beyond. Yeah, um, I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's I like, also don't listen to any podcasts, which is strange. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like if I drove a car, I would listen to podcasts all the time. Like that's all I would listen to, but 
Yeah. I don't, Even I don't though like to wear head. Brian just came out with his, I'll plug it, the 12 gays of Christmas, which is yes, I available podcast, everywhere. Which you should all listen to. Yes. <laughs> it's really good. I was just messaging Brian, our Eric Thomas, the writer. Oh, your breakdown of white Christmas with him is yeah. hilarious. Um, Danny Pellegrino oh. from Everything Iconic and I do an episode about the Grinch, the Jim Carrey, the Grinch, which is hilarious because Danny loves. So the the theme of the show is I interview gay people about their favorite Christmas movies. And Danny <laughs> loves Christmas movies as much as I do and also loves Real Housewives. So we talk about Christmas movies. And then, of course, obviously, we talk about Real Housewives. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a I really think good all, podcast. All of the Housewives fans but out there will be very I excited. love that you use that analogy of inside baseball or in, inside, like yeah. just because I love actually breaking down each of the Housewives psyche and their yes. approach. So like I heard Lisa Barlow give an extended interview and I was saying to Megan, wow, she has such savvy business advice about Vita Tequila and mm -hmm. as do almost every housewife has a specialty of their trade. Yeah. Like they're, they're at the top of their game. Um, yes, no, absolutely. And I mean, and, and that's the thing is most of them with a few exceptions, like Sonia Morgan, um, <laughs> you know, are, are smart, savvy business ladies. They know what they're doing. I mean, Ramona, earned that million dollar Hamptons house on, on her own without even the show to do it. Like these aren't stupid women. I think that's what's great about them. And also what makes them so interesting. I think if they were just dumb and If they messy, were actually housewives, right? Like, yeah. Which they're not, which I, yeah. we know which is from why, watching the show. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, no shade to the first season of Orange County, but I did watch that first episode when I've watched the first Roni episode I'm like Brian is exactly right when you break down these first episodes yeah. how drastically different the production is like they're, they're not even interacting together it's like hi I'm no. Jill Zarin and I'm gonna play a tennis game right with like, someone who you've never seen before yeah, yeah it's totally crazy well and I think it's also a really interesting point uh I talked to somebody in the book who who worked uh, was a producer on the shows in the early years and she said when New Jersey came about, that's when all the shows started to speed up because they were just seeing so much drama, everything happening so quickly. And Bravo made them go back and re-edit a season of Real Housewives of Orange County oh, to wow. like speed it up because you watch those early seasons and they're so slow and so different. And yeah, I feel I like think... after that, like around the time... Beverly Hills premiered like around 2010 you start to get the since then it's kind of stayed exact pretty much exactly the same in terms of the rhythm and flow of the different uh episodes and things like that I think too you start to see the the women especially when we got New Jersey because you have that great chapter where you sort of break down all of the different franchises and how they rose to popularity I yeah. think the women start to really kind of understand the assignment. I think for yes. OC and New York, it's like these women kind of didn't know what they were doing, right? They, no. they were told they were going to be on a show. Like we know New York City was going to be Manhattan Moms and then it turned into Real Housewives of New York City and it actually then birthed the franchise. We had like a bi-coastal Real Housewives. And you also have those women, right? And we see them all the time. And usually these are the housewives that don't last. 
who sort of study the Real Housewives and come on the show guns blazing. This is how I'm supposed to behave. And I think in Jersey, it was just so organic. And the, the family ties in Jersey too, like it was just like prime, as you said before, Brian, like prime golden age of Housewives. And I think it's really like you said about when women show up trying to be housewives. I don't know if you guys have seen the Real Housewives of Sydney, but that um, that it's horrible because they all showed up and they just want to fight and they just want to be housewives. And it's too much. It's so much. It's like, no, I don't like this. And, And so and I think it's really interesting that once housewives became housewives, you know, women wanted to get on it. Like I talked to Cindy Barshop in my book and she wanted to get on the show because she wanted to sell her product. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and now there are plenty of women who want the fame, want the platform, want, you know, whatever. And so they're trying to get on the show. And I think that they act differently from the women like Vicky and Ramona, Luann, like the people who are around before there were rules. Mm-hmm. You know, what I, like Ramona's just being Ramona and Vicky's just being Vicky and it's working. Whereas I think a lot of these, like a Kenya Moore is plotting it out. Like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to appear to, mm-hmm. you know, the crowd? And, and so I think it's two different strategies. And I think that's why it's different for some of the OGs that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they have a bit of a different playbook and they just can't help but being themselves. Or I think some of the newer housewives are possibly a little bit more performative. Yeah, well, and that's why, what do you think is going to happen with this girl's trip? Because we already see Kenya, which I probably know why Kenya is going to flip out with Ramona because Ramona's (laughs) politics and racial (laughs) dynamic is not very uh, progressive. Um, Yeah, think it kindly. Yeah, so (laughs) that's a kind reading. Um, But... Yeah, I'm curious because each of them operate under even different production companies. So I'm curious, what is it going to be like when they're all trying to craft these narratives together? Yeah, and I think that they're all used to their own producers and they're like, you know, and each production company has a little bit of a different style. So I'm curious how they're all, what's going to happen. But, you know, I always say the best Real Housewives are when it's a group of women who have organic connections to each other. And I know these women have seen each other, watch What Happens Live. They've seen each other at BravoCon. They've been at parties. They know each other you know, they might be friendly, but I don't know how deep mm-hmm. those ties go. So it's different when you have, you know, even at this point, like you have a, the group of ladies in Atlanta have been together for a long time, like that core group of Candy, Kenya, Cynthia, Portia, you know, they've been together for six, seven, eight years. They have a dynamic. So I'm curious how the dynamic is going to be between the people. So far, the best clip I've seen is one of Teresa saying, like, not all these women are OGs. Oh my God. Melissa, yes. Like, is it an OG? Like, you know, and Teresa and cannot let what, Melissa Gorga live. She cannot. Right. She cannot. And that's what makes it interesting. So I so that dynamic is interesting and something we know and is crazy. But I'm curious how that is gonna work with. Ramona or Luann or, you know, like, will they care enough about each other for it to be interesting? (laughs) So, I mean, they're all great people who have given us lots of great television. So I'm looking forward to it, but I will say my expectations are low. Yeah. Well, and I feel Kim Richards already, you know, has divulged in interviews how she's on the... (laughs) 
<laughs> the island by herself without any other Beverly Hills housewife. So she's kind of just, they're all having their own fights together with yeah. their own cast member. And she's just, I don't right. know, walking around hey having guys. a drink. Oh, for, yeah. for, do you mean Kyle, Andrew? Kyle yeah. I mean, sorry, not Kim Richards, Kyle I was Richards. like, is Kim Thank Richards you. on this show too? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> thanks. That would be a good twist though. Um, I, I mean, um, I'm really Kyle excited Richards. for Girls Trip 2 with mm -hmm. all the former housewives who want to get back on the show. And like, yes. I always joke that they should do like Real Housewives Survivor where, you know, yeah. it's like someone gets voted off and then whoever wins gets to go back on her show. Like, I feel like that's what this is. It's like all of them re-auditioning to be included on Housewives who, Again. So, so who I think on that one? Who was on the, the Girls Trip 2 like that that we've lost? Tamara, um, Jill Zarin, Dorinda. Uh, uh, um, I think Tamara Judge. She just Tamara Judge, it. Vicky, mm -hmm. uh, Brandy Glanville. Oh, oh that's uh, gonna be fun. Uh, Taylor Armstrong. Wow, Ooh. throwback. Yeah, I think there's might be a couple I'm forgetting. I uh, a couple. I feel of like they're gonna bring ladies. the drama. That's that sounds like enough to me. Because they're auditioning, honestly. like you said. That makes sense. Yeah, Ooh. that's going to be, and it's all in Dorinda's house. And at the very <laughs> beginning of the pandemic, I tweeted, put them all in Dorinda's house yes. and just fill it with cameras and bring us some fucking housewives. And so I feel like I should get a commission. This. Yeah, you should, you should get a, produ yeah. a, pr a producer line, Brian. I mean, story by Brian J. Moylan, president founder of the Real Housewives <laughs> well, Institute. But I think we should get into it, which is um, that Bravo, like you say in your book, uh, that they have a history of not necessarily citing, as we would say in academia, um, everyone who comes up with their own analyses and when they borrow or take ideas. Um, yes. Yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah, I think that Bravo w wants to control this thing. They want to make all the money from it. And, you know, I get it. That's their job, you know, but I think it's sometimes to the detriment of the fans of the franchise that they're doing it. So, yeah. Well, do you think yeah. Peacock, because it does seem like Bravo is trying to do a merger with Peacock where maybe eventually they would have all the new seasons because there's no streaming service with the up-to-date seasons, right? Um, like the new, like the, um, yeah. the new episodes. Like they wait till the end of, it's like A you season. can watch on bravotv.com until the, till the season ends and then it's all on Peacock. Well, Peacock yeah. is owned by NBC Universal. And so, I mean, they're keeping it all in the family as mm -hmm. it were. Um, and there was a bunch of stuff that I cut from the book about, um, remember, I don't know if you remember a bunch of seasons ago where all, on all of the housewife shows, they'd be having people from Priv come to do their like hair and makeup. It was some yes. like hair and makeup app. Right. So I called them and I was like, so what's the deal? And so it turns out NBC Universal approached them and was like, hey, we want to try this new thing where we're going to, we'll put you on all of our shows and you give us like a portion of the company. And so they were on Kardashians. They were on all the Housewives shows like all the time. 
and it went really well for them. It went really well for NBC Universal. NBC Universal ended up acquiring like half of the company, and that's why they were always on, is they were trying to like drum up money for this company that they owned half of. Got it. And then they, they eventually found out that there was some kind of conflict of interest, and Devold, you know, uh, sold off their share in the company, and that's why Priv stopped showing up anymore because, you know. Bravo and NBC Universal couldn't make any money off of them anymore. So, I mean, I find all that that business money stuff really fascinating and also really smart. Like, you can you can get us to buy things, you can get us to do things just by putting us on these shows, as all of these women with all their shitty products have discovered over the years. And I think that Bravo, mm. you know, was like, hey, if Vicky can make money off of Vicky's vodka, why can't we make money off of Priv or whatever oh. else? You know, they have this thing that that lives in all of our minds rent free. Um, so they wanted to start collecting some rent, I guess. <laughs> totally. And and you mentioned too, um, right, the, like the Bethany clause, right? That, that everybody yeah. wants to be Bethany Frankel. Everybody wants to come on Housewives. And we saw Bethany living in her tiny apartment at the Stop and Shop, begging people to try her banana muffins, right? And now yeah. she is this mogul with her, I mean, she had a show on HBO Max last season, right? I, like I watched that, it. That's yeah. the dream. And I, I did too, it was great. But what what is the clause, Brian? Right, like like they have to give ten percent of their company. Yeah. To so Bravo? if you if you start a uh, if you start a business after how you've been on Housewives, if you sell it for more than a million dollars, you have to give ten percent to Bravo. Oh. Okay. And um. So yes. So if you have a business and Bravo hires you, like you don't have to pay if you sell that business, but like. I don't know if you watch Summer House, but if Kyle Cook ever sells Loverboy for a bunch of money, um, 10% of that, I assume, is going to Bravo. Oh, hmm. so that, that's Bravo, period. It's not even just exclusive of the Housewives. I feel like it's probably Bravo, period, at this point. Um, I'm, I wow. don't know for a fact, but um, I would assume that they're under a similar kind of contract that the housewives are under. But I can't think of anybody who sold a business for as much money. I just think that mm -hmm. they're kind of guarding themselves against the idea. But also if I was Kyle Cook and knew if I sold the business and had to give 10% to Bravo, I would just never sell the business. I'd just keep running it and be like, fuck you, Bravo, you're not getting your money. But also <laughs> I'm, you know, spiteful. And yeah. Yeah. that's the title <laughs> of our podcast episode. Yeah. Fuck you, Bravo. There you go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but, fuck you, um, Bravo. But also, I love you, Bravo, for giving us all of this. And, you know, thank you for all your hard work. You've exactly. Done a great well, job. Bravo is basically the, you know, housewife always over your shoulder. Yeah. Like, Bravo is, you know, literally creating and crafting and, right, even whether Andy Cohen is actually um he always denies whether or not he's actually giving advice to the executives and he says right. he's hands off now with certain franchises i think it's you know maybe andy's passion for soap operas which makes himself uh <laughs> yeah the star of the soap opera show well, it, it, I think that Andy's relationship is is really interesting because, you know, like you said, he's very quick to be, you know, especially 
especially when there's drama going on. Like I'm not an executive producer on Vanderpump Rules or Below Deck or Million Dollar Listing or Southern Charm. Um, but he's also, I think, kind of quick to take the credit where you'll see, you know, articles in mainstream publication, like, you know, the LA Times, not that the LA Times did this, but in something like the LA Times and saying like Andy Cohen, the creator of The Real Housewives, which is factually incorrect, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And and he, Bravo never bothers to correct them. He doesn't bother to correct them, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think he's, he's quick to, Quick to distance himself, but also kind of, you know, basking well, the in the glow of it a too. bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like when I, yeah. you know, watched back the Watch What Happens reunion, which is, right, the origin of Watch What Happens, yeah. were the reunions that he would host. Um, yeah. And I just find Andy Cohen, there should be a whole book about Andy Cohen's different um, personalities and how he... Because I'll listen to his radio show and he's very, you know, taking his child to the park. Like it's, you know, you get yes. a lot of the personal life, but then him on Watch What Happens, it's a completely different um, amped up. Like, I feel like when I watch Watch What Happens, I should be on the treadmill because I would be burning so many calories. <laughs> well, and Andy's deal with Sirius is a deal with Andy. It's not a deal with Bravo, which, mm. I mean, I wonder if Bravo is getting kickbacks or whatever from that, because I mean, if it weren't for Bravo, what would they even have on Radio Andy? So yeah, I'm curious how all of that works. I was supposed to appear on Radio Andy to discuss my book, um, and then the day I was supposed to be on a show that I had been on a number of times for a number of years, they mysteriously told me that, you know, something had come up and they can't have me on the show anymore. So Wait, so, but you, can you disclose which show? Okay, hold on to that question because we'll be right back. But first, a word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was supposed to appear on Radio Andy to discuss my book. Um, and then the day I was supposed to be on a show that I had been on a number of times for a number of years, they mysteriously told me that, you know, something had come up and they can't have me on the show anymore. So wait, so but you can you disclose which show? Um, I could, but I'm not going to. Okay, I understand. But um, because I like the person who does yeah. the show. Um, yeah. but oh, it wasn't yeah. Andy Cohen's show. No, it wasn't Andy oh, Cohen's show. Oh. It was another show, but it, a show that I had been on regularly for a number of years, and you know. Okay, everyone, search free. your serious app, app right now. Yeah, and no. um, yeah, and then the day of, they were like, "Oh, we can't have you on the show anymore." Oh, and I'm wow. like, "Can we reschedule?" They're like, "Oh, we'll reach out with some dates," which means like, no. And so I think what I assume happened is Andy Cohen saw that I was going to be on the show and said, "You can't have Brian Moylan on talking about your book." 
but mm. well, let's I don't just know say if that's true or not. Yeah, there's a certain host that I love, love, love. Uh, Michelle Collins, shout out, who yes. I think you're really close to. Yeah, um, she's a friend of mine, and she yeah. um, comes and spends, when, she'll come and spend like a month or so at a time in London, and we hang out and, Aww. you know. Yeah, but let's just say I know that I listened to you on her show when she was on Stars. So yeah, um, yeah, I know your friends watch What Crappens, which, oh my God, when Megan brought up Bethany and um, what was it, Big Shot, right? Was her show? Yeah, yes. the first yeah. episode when they like did their recap, they were like talking about how she looked like Miss Haversham in the window. Remember the first <laughs> scene, and she's just yes. like, peering out the window. And she's saying, I don't think they see me. And I'm like, they know what they're doing here. I mean, <laughs> right, it's hilarious like, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, and th- I mean, and that's the thing is I've done every Raw Housewives oh, yeah. podcast. I mean, not every, but a lot of them. And yeah, and I love being part of this like community of fans. And, you know, and that's what I like. That's what I wanted to write about like BravoCon and going on yes. vacation with Vicky and all that stuff, because to me, it, it was as, it's as much about the housewives as about this like group of fans that we experienced. And like you said, you found people in your graduate school who were housewives fans and you immediately bonded. And that's happened so many times to me at dinner parties or wherever, or people who recognize me and come up to talk to me in bars and just want to talk about housewives. And they're always like, oh, I'm sorry to keep talking to you about housewives. I'm like, no girl, it's fine. Like, I. I could, I could be here all night. Um, yeah, and I just love being part of that. And like the Housewives fans have always been so great to me. And th- I mean, I think they're like the greatest in the world. So I'm always happy to do all of those podcasts and, you know, engage with the different people who have their- Well, and speaking of um, the fan base and the community and, you know, perhaps being disinvited from places, can we please talk about you sneaking into BravoCon? Because that was <laughs> such a funny part of the book. And I actually was on your Instagram yesterday and I, I think you posted a throwback, like pretty recently yes. in disguise. So can, can you can you please just talk about that a little bit? Well, so <laughs> I, wa- I write for Vulture and they- reached out to Bravo who weren't happy about my book and knew I was doing it. were sort of blocking me from researching it. And um, they were like, oh, can we get a press pass for Brian? They're like, no, he's not welcome here because he's working on this book. So I just bought tickets to go. So I didn't necessarily sneak in. I like, like a regular like citizen, right? As yeah. you say. But right? I was, a, you know, I know the PR people at Bravo. I know they know what I look like. And so I was afraid that they, if they saw me, they might do something. So um, mm. I always have a mustache. And I always wear like the same outfit in the, in the winter. It's like a gray wool suit and a white shirt. And so I was like, they're going to know, like, if I show up looking iconically like Brian Moylan, <laughs> that I'm Brian Moylan. So I shaved my mustache. I wore like a baseball cap that I had just bought because I went as Magnum PI for Halloween. So I had like a Detroit Tigers baseball cap and I wore a sweatshirt and a pair of jeans and just went. And then I was going, um, I was walking, like the first event I was going to was the live taping of Watch What Happens Live at BravoCon, which was amazing. And I'm walking up to the line and somebody goes, Brian Moylan. And I was like, oh God, my my disguise is awful. But did you have a nobody from crew? Bravo recognized me or said anything? So I you should have had a camera crew, Brian. Like I, I feel that 
it, it kind of follows your logic that what we're doing right now, which is once you bring up the housewives, you become the housewives. Totally. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Like, they should have followed you with a camera, see if Andy Cohen recognized you. You could have been brought up on the stage. It would have well, been- if- so they were going to have BravoCon this year and I was going to buy tickets and go again. And I was going to bring like a card table and a box of books and just put it out in front of, on the sidewalk <laughs> at BravoCon and be like, $20! Like $20. a true real housewife, right? You got to exactly. seize the moment and you got to sell your product. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Instead of the muffins, you have your yeah, book. Like Bethany at Stop and Shop, uh, hustling, yeah. hustling to sell these damn books. Yeah, well, if you ever want to come to different Long Island locations, Megan and I will find places for you to sell your books. Well, we were, <laughs> like, we were actually talking about that, right, Andrew? We were yeah. we were saying like, why is there not a Real Housewives of Long Island? And we were talking about just you know the the failed attempts, right? Like yeah. well, uh, Secrets I, of Wives. I and- love the princesses. <laughs> I do, and a lot of them I get along with very well. But again, underrated princesses of Long Island. I love underrated. I thought it was wonderful. I mean, but, like um, that and Gallery Girls should have gotten more love. Mm. Totally agree on Gallery Girls. Yeah. yeah. But I wonder too, because it seems like Roni actually is a Long Island. Like Roni and Long Island are actually really close because almost all of the cast, half of them are from Long Island. Like, or remember what was that one episode where they went to Beth Page to a warehouse? Remember? To, um, <laughs> they're like, where are we going? God. For Ramona's yeah. free party. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And they complained well, the And we time. have Gina Kirschenheider, Real Housewife of Orange County from- Yeah, she's from Rockville Long Center, Island. I think. Um, I am from Central Connecticut, home oh. of Dorit Kemsley, Luann DeLaSeps, <laughs> and Kim Zolciak Berman. So, Wow. Know. Wow. Oh, yeah. and Kristen Teekman, I thought is from Connecticut. Is she? I think she yeah, is. Yeah, you're right. She is. Wow. Thanks, Yeah, Kristen. you're welcome. Yeah, she's, there's a lot of, that would be, because I, you know, I'm from actually South Jersey originally. And I always think of what would it be like with Real Housewives of Philadelphia? But I feel like there's some cities where they're so close to certain, you know, so close to New York that it would be, I mean, there was the one episode on Roni where they actually went to Philadelphia. I'm like, woo, <laughs> it's part feel- of the- <laughs> Zeitgeist People often now. ask me like, oh, what city should they do next? And I say like, when they said they were going to do Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, I was like, what the fuck? You're crazy. But I really think that if you find a great group of dynamic of women with organic connections to each other, dynamic relationships, you could really do this anywhere. You yeah. know, I mean, who thought we would have Real Houses of Potomac? Like, who gives a shit about Potomac? But oh, and it's these, so this good. great group of women. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I really think you could do any city as long as you just, I mean, even like a nowhere city, like Real Housewives of Bristol, Connecticut. I mean, if you could get like an interesting enough group of yeah. women. Shout um, out to Brian's. I'm assuming that's your hometown. That is my hometown. It was okay. like the first one I, I thought of. <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, I do. Have you followed Bethany's Just Be With Bethany podcast, which is fascinating? I listened to, I told you I don't listen to podcasts, yeah. but I listened to an episode she did maybe with like Hillary Clinton. Okay. Or, yes. She gets like really she big has, names. Oh yeah. Yeah. She had someone early on and I was like, oh wow, I'm going to listen to this. I listened to that. And then I was reading about when she was kind of talking about 
the housewives in some recent episodes. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. yeah. She just, uh, that's what I want to get to, which is um, she refused to be interviewed for this big PR. I call it the big PR book, not all diamonds and rosé, but- um, mm-hmm. You're not incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> and let's just say there's no audiobook version, which when there's no audiobook version of a book, I sometimes, and it's in a mainstream press, I sometimes get a little confused. Well, because but... I feel like it's not, it's just a bunch of excerpts from interviews with the housewives. From what, what I understand, I, I haven't read it and with some like connecting text. So I don't know why you would want somebody else to read just Bethany's words. Um, yeah. I feel like that would be a really hard book. Yeah. To Unless write. the housewives actually agreed to read their own words, which is... Right. A tough or sell. you get like Amy <laughs> Phillips who does the impersonation oh, yeah. of the housewives to just do like every voice, which I mean, that would be funny. <laughs> but um, um, so basically but I had oh, written yeah. something about Bethany when she left the franchise and it was while I was working on the book and it was very complimentary of her and her place in housewives. Um, it was for NBC news, I believe. And she um, saw it and reached out to me and was like, you know, this is great. Thanks so much. Oh, and, amazing. I emailed, and I, it was a DM on Twitter. And I DM'd her back and was like, Hey, I'm working on this book about the real housewives. Like you could talk to me off the record, you know, whatever. And, uh, and she was like, talk to my PR person. So I emailed the PR person back and forth, back and forth. And eventually just kind of stopped hearing from her. Which, mm. but you have to shoot are. your shot. You got to yeah, try. Exactly. And she is I mean, very... no, I'm not going to waste the DM for Bethany. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> She's very responsive. I think if anything, she gives the most interviews that I've seen on podcasts, which makes sense because she's a brand. Like she's very aware yeah. of branding. And that's mm-hmm. why yes. what happened is she didn't want to be interviewed for Not All Diamonds and Rosé. But guess what? On her podcast, right after it comes out, she does a whole, I'm going to break down the real housewives of New York and my time on it. And yeah. like says, I'm going to do it my way and I'm crafting my narrative. And it was basically totally. you. Too. Well, and it's totally smart because yeah. again, why would you give, you know, this book that's on Andy Cohen's imprint that is sponsored by or approved by Bravo, where they're going to have control over your words and what mm-hmm. you have to say and what makes it into the book. It's like, just like them going on the show and being like, okay, I'm going to go on the show, but ultimately you're telling my story. Whereas she has this podcast, she can tell her own story and it's not, and she decides what's going to make it and how she's going to look. And I think she made a point on Twitter that that was very valid. And, you know, one of the big headlines about this book when it came out was that Sonia Morgan got so drunk, people were putting lit cigarettes in her vagina. And, you know, and she said, and this is like so bravo where they don't want anything about production, anything that's going to make them look bad, anything that's going to make Andy look bad out in the public, but they'll let these women fucking trash each other Mm. and humiliate each other. And they're the ones making money off of it. And so it's like, so they're getting people to buy this book by humiliating Sonia Morgan all over again. Yeah. Well, they're practicing muckraking, right? Is that the newspaper term? Yeah. Yeah. And, And like, you know, I think that's kind of unfair. It's like, if you're going to trash them, like you should allow yourselves to, you know, to get some of the humiliation too. And so that's why they didn't want to participate in my book because I wasn't going to let them have any, any editorial control. And I wanted to tell fans the truth because I think that that's what we deserve. I mean, we've, 
devoted so much of our time to this thing. We've helped promote them. We've watched their shows. We made them lots of money. Like the, yeah. the it's always a promotion the for them. Even this conversation. Yeah. I mean, like we are obsessed. And right. well, let's just say you took the, um, you know, you now own that title with your book of the real story behind the real housewives. So yes. when they try to bring out the official, like, I think it's yeah. being billed as the it's official narrative, they can't use your title. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see who actually uh, maybe. So, you know, has... and their book sold very well. When Andy Cohen shows up on Watch What Happens Live, it's like, buy this book, people buy this book. So, you know, good for them. They made their money off of it. They did what they had to do. You know, and that's the thing is like, as mad as I get at them, I still love what they do at the end yeah. of the day, you know, and they're very good at their jobs. And I try to give them all the credit that they deserve and make sure that the people who, you know, work on the shows get as much credit as they do. And I think, you know, people are always like, oh, Andy's doing this or Andy, blah, 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 Andy, 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 bravo, bravo, bravo. And it's, and it's like, but what about all the people that are filming this, who are mm -hmm. editing this, who are working at these production companies, who are talking to the women, like those people deserve their fair share of the credit as well, because I think that that's really where the shows are made um, yeah. before they even get to Bravo, before they even get to Andy. And, yeah. um, and I found that when I talked to those people, though they were afraid enough of Bravo to not want to go on the record, um, they were very proud to talk about the work they do. I mean, they love these, this thing as much as we do and they love working on it and they're proud of their work. And I think yeah. that they should be because I mean, look at us, we're all obsessed. Yeah, wait, so how many women, and it's off the record, a lot of the women, yeah. but how many did you ultimately end up probably interviewing? I talked to, I usually say about a dozen. It was probably okay. more than that, some more extensively than others. I think there's like five or six on the record in the book. Um, but then I talked to a lot of people who, you know, like who were, uh, you know, a P, like Greg Bennett, I talked to, like who mm -hmm. was on a few seasons of Real Housewives in New Jersey. I talked to him on the record, but I talked to other people like that who were, around the shows yeah. enough to friends know. of yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, even yeah. not necessarily friends of but people who you would recognize from seeing yeah. the show and that's why i'm endeared um, to new jersey the house bins those house bins they are they are i think what the ingredient to new jersey and oh absolutely yeah. they're having a trip in Vegas, you can go to Vegas with like the current house husbands of New Jersey. Oh, I saw this. Them. They were broadcasting I in Atlantic go. City because like they keep going to Atlantic City and like talking up Vegas. They're like, come with us. That I mean, Megan, I that's tried our to trip. Get Vulture to pay for me to go. And they were I like, that's too much money. <laughs> oh, they're like, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, well, I thought I'd try. I think they should um, do a cruise ship with the housewives. Well, that's the thing is no housewife, current housewife is allowed to appear at an event with more than one other housewife that is not like sponsored by Bravo. Uh, so the women can't get together and throw a cruise ship like Bravo would have to do it. And so that's why you saw like um, like Brandy, Kim Richards and a handful of other ex-housewives were going on kind of like a speaking tour because they're not affiliated with the show anymore so they can do that. But yeah, so mm -hmm. you can't have 
because yes, they should totally do a cruise ship. Like, yeah, I mean, Vicky got what, like 50, 60 people to pay $2,000 plus plane tickets to go to Puerto Vallarta to hang out with her. Like, imagine if you got five housewives together, like, my God, that'd be insane. Yeah, yeah, it well, would be like the adult yeah. version of a Disney cruise. We would exactly. all go. Would be and I know Megan has our last question, which is about Mount Rushmore and our favorite <gasps> housewives. But I yes. do have to bring it up because Megan knows I, you know, have an Instagram relationship with Ebony um, and I've used her um, scenes in teaching Harlem literature this semester with actually yeah. passing by Nella Larson. And I use that scene of the Harlem night dinner to talk about white privilege and Ebony as kind of bearing the brunt of black culture and trying to, you know, expose systemic racism to these white women, which my students, right. when they saw the scene, their faces were uh, <laughs> aghast. Um, but, you know, I know you and Ebony have had a really back and forth productive conversation that, yes, can you no, explain absolutely. what happened and, you know, how it's a good example? For discussion. Well, I didn't love her Harlem dinner. I thought it was maybe a little pedantic. And I mean, and it, the season as a whole was awful and boring. And I think that, you know, I was saying this was boring. I think Ebony was kind of saying, like, thought I was saying she was boring or, mm. um, but she wrote an open letter to me about like how she felt I was dealing with things in my recaps differently um, because of the discussions about race and her as a black woman and um you know and and i really read it and took it to heart and i wrote back to her in my newsletter and said like okay i've thought about it like here's what i where i think you're right here's where i think you're wrong here's how i can do better and i think you know just hearing back from her you know and keeping an open mind and her keeping an open mind with me and i think this is why she was great on roni ultimately is because she, she is willing to be patient. It's like they said about Jackie Robinson, like he wasn't the best baseball player, but he was the one who could deal with all the shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel the same thing is true about Ebony is that she might not be as dynamic as some other housewives, but she is patient enough to try to talk about racism with Ramona Singer, which is a job I certainly would <laughs> not want to have. Yeah. Um, so I think it made me a better recapper in the end. And, you know, it's like, I'm just a white dude trying to make jokes about the housewives and do my best. And then all of a sudden, all the shows I'm writing about, we're dealing with like race and, you know, all these difficult subjects. And I'm trying to be funny about it, but also give it the weight it deserves. And so, you know, it's been a very interesting time to be a housewives aficionado. Um, but I also think that, you know, Ultimately, you know, Ebony faced a lot of bullshit on Real Housewives of New York that she shouldn't have had to face. I mean, look at Tiffany Moon on Dallas. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was awful. I think the ones who have handled it the best are the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, where you see them having really intelligent, insightful conversations that I think are changing the women's minds. It's like, you know, Garcelle had that conversation with Kyle about like, here's why you saying I didn't pay my bills hits differently. Yeah. And Kyle being mm -hmm. like, oh, I actually get that. Yeah. And I think that that is really drives at home for the people at home too. And like yeah. that conversation between Sutton and Crystal about mm -hmm. how you, you shouldn't say that I don't see race. Like, I think those are really like great insightful things, but 
yeah, I think that Evie and I had a good back and forth. And I think that, you know, we were both open to each other and willing to have uh, a nuanced conversation rather than just yelling slurs at each other on Twitter. Um, And I think that those things go a long way. And I think it certainly, I appreciate the time she took to really put herself out there and say something thoughtful. And, um, you know, I hope that I responded with grace and dignity and all that shit. Yeah, well, I appreciate- The world needs a bit more of when we talk about these things. Yeah, (laughs) well, no, and I appreciate the exchange that happened between the two of you because it's like what I know Megan and I always tell our students is people are going to have very different opinions, but can we actually have a back and forth? And like you said- Yes. Kyle Richards was receptive a yep. lot of the rony white women were not receptive. They put their wall up. So it yeah, would have been absolutely. very different if Ramona said, wait, what do you mean by systemic racism, Ebony? Like, or right. what do you mean about the tension in our elections right now? But like that scene with Ramona was more, I don't want to hear well, anything you say, Ebony. Well, and then Ramona's like, well, what about all the Jews that were mean to me? <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Was, yeah, that anti-Semitism, yeah. it was a lot that... You know, and then I think yeah. we were seeing remote, we were seeing Sonia wanting to tell Ramona off about her politics, but instead it kind of came off as, I don't know, Sonia yeah. well, was at a point. Well, and it was really interesting when, when Ebony first wrote that open letter, I got a lot of people responding to me on Twitter and Instagram being like, why are you coming for Ebony? You're a racist, like all this stuff. And like, I don't think that that is the spirit in which Ebony intended her letter is for like us to attack each other. And I certainly didn't want to attack Ebony or have people be like, leave Brian alone. You're an asshole. Like I want us to be able to have adult grown up, reasonable nuanced conversations around these things, which, you know, in the internet, social media age is often a lot to ask for. Yeah. Which is why it's important to have, written out responses and podcasts. And Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you explained that for the listeners. And, you know, I have to say with Beverly Hills, I think when Garcelle actually brought up what she had heard rumors or not even rumors, but I do think Lisa Rinna might've, you know, had said things about what Garcelle, um, you know, that discussions around race were going to happen. Lisa's response was really defensive. Um, yeah. But then Lisa running over, hugging her, you could tell she's thinking, oh, wait, like this is going to get, you know, how is Lisa Rinna going to look after she just came after Garcelle? So it's a, you know, it's an interesting, I think that's maybe why we're all drawn, though, to the housewives is yeah. we want to be there as detectives and analysts. Like well, figuring and, out what's happening. Fancy Drew. Yep. Absolutely. Fancy Drew. Well, and I think that the great thing about Beverly Hills was that, you know, I think what rub, rubbed some people the wrong way about Real Housewives of New York this season was that because there was no drama and there was nothing interesting happening, the only interesting things that were happening were these conversations about race that Ebony kept having. And people were like, you're making it all about race to Ebony. And it's like, no, I just showed up as a black person and they made it all about race, but whatever. Um, Whereas I think on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is a great instance where you see how these conversations between like Crystal and Sutton, between Garcelle and Kyle, between Garcelle and the group, when she's like, imagine your whole life feeling like you're, 
you know, not welcome in the room I, were, was like a part of it. But I do think that also, I used to be don't put politics in my real housewives, but now I see how it can help teach people and grow yeah. the way people think. And so I don't mind some politics in my real housewives as long as it's not all politics in my yeah. real well, housewives. Well, and I think it's interesting. The Beverly Hills, and I know we are wrapping up soon, but the Beverly Hills women seem to be more progressive than the New yes. York women, which is actually kind of interesting because people always think of New York as the bastion of liberalism. So yes. it's kind of just like, okay, is this cast really representing New York City? Well, I think that the only one who's really a liberal is Ramona. I think Sonia seemed very open to new ideas. I think Luann just isn't aware of how uh, much internalized racism that she has that we all have as products mm -hmm. of a racist society. And I think that acknowledging that sometimes, you know, that calling Ebony angry when Leah McSweeney just stormed off and she didn't call her angry is like something that's ingrained in you. That's the critical race theory that they don't want us, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, talking about in public schools. And um, yeah, so, but, and so I wish she was as open to receiving that from yeah. Ebony as some of the cast members of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills were oh, yeah. to receiving it, you know, exactly. from there. And I think, casting. yeah, I think I could tell Ramona knew that if Ebony had, you know, Ebony was basically asking her, you know, are you a conservative? And like, I could tell Ramona just didn't want to say who she voted for because the headline is going to say Ramona is a, you know, the former president supporter. Well, I mean, hey, she obviously is. She is. <laughs> well, I think what Ebony really wanted was Ramona to say whether or not she like supports the kind of racist machine. And like, I would understand as a black woman why I would not want to be friends with somebody who would support that. Yeah, or so, why she's not just happy that there's the first female vice president, right? Like that was the main narrative. Yeah. But like, let's remember Ramona kept screaming, I don't wear masks in the ocean. Oh that was that was a trip but okay i know well let's get to well, your question Megan. well speaking of, of politics in our housewives uh brian <laughs> the question that we wanted to wrap up with is uh is more of a lighthearted one but i think you know given the cultural impact of the real housewives on contemporary americana i think we would all agree there needs to be more national monuments to our housewives so our final question to you is what five housewives would you put on your version of Mount Rushmore, your housewives version of Mount Rushmore? So, I mean, it has to be. It has uh, to be. Okay. It has to be Bethany. Yes. Nene, Vicky Gumbelson, Teresa Giudice. Did I say Teresa twice? No. no once. Um, and probably Kyle Richards. I think is ah. what, like. The, it must be an OG. I think that they're like. Th this is what housewives is. Are those my favorite housewives? Not necessarily, but okay. I think that they are the ones who have like defined housewifery. Housewifery, I love it. That's a great adjective. Um, yes. So I think that that's they're they're the most important to the uh, franchise. 
Yeah. Um, my favorites are, you know, my favorites are like. <laughs> yeah, tell us your favorites. Your second. Sonia Morgan is my favorite, like forever and always. I love her. Erica Jane, I have obviously worked with. I have, she's the only housewife that I have a real personal relationship with. And I think A, I love her and B, she's a great housewife. Um, I'm a big Kyle Richards fan. I'm a big Thanks. Giselle Bryant fan. Hmm. Okay. Um, okay. I'm a big Kenya Moore fan, even yeah. though I recognize that she's um, difficult. Yeah, but I like to meet Kenya. I think it's she's a fun night out. Like there's yeah. the fun night out housewives. And I think yeah. she like gets it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big Robin Dixon fan. I love Robin and Gis too. Giselle together. I want to marry Juan Dixon. He, I Don't find him so dreamy and wonderful. I mean, I, I have never seen a group of women who are as great together as the as uh, Karen, Giselle, Robin, and Ashley Darby. I mean, they're great. So yeah, those are some of my favorites. I'm also surprisingly a big Melissa Gorga fan. I have a lot of- That's um, not surprising. She's yeah, great. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I feel like you have I, the same energy. I think energy. a lot of people don't love her, but- Yeah. Um, I have to say, yeah, I like Jackie. I, oh, also- Candy Jack Burris. Oh, really? I love oh, yeah. Candy Burris. Yeah, yeah. For sure. See, I feel like with New Jersey, I'm excited to see what happens with Jackie's storyline this season. Yes. Um, I <laughs> I have a hard time with Jackie because I want to support her, but also she kind of drives me crazy. Oh. Also, but I love I her husband. I want to marry oh, that husband. husband. Girl. I Evan. choose to pretend that when Teresa was saying that Evan does things at the gym, that she meant he jerks off guys in the steam room. Like I choose to believe that that is true. <laughs> oh my God. Well, on that note, <laughs> that's a good place to end. Well, thank you so much, Brian. And again, thank you, Megan, for joining. This has been so exciting. We uh, definitely, I want to plug that Brian has a current podcast called 12 Gays of Christmas. Available yeah. anywhere you get podcasts. Um, please buy his book, The Housewives, The Real Story Behind the Real Housewives. We have a link directly in our show notes to an independent bookstore. Um, listen Perfect. to him on Audible, um, reading it, and watch out for him on Vulture. And are you working on any other project, Brian, that we should all know about? Um, I do have the Housewives Institute Bulletin, which is a newsletter I do with Vulture that comes out every two weeks, and it's Housewives news. I do original stories and fun lists and recaps of reunions and shit like that, and you can sign up for that at vulture.com slash housewives, and it's Wonderful. free. Perfect. Oh, great. Okay, well, you are invited back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room whenever you want, Brian. Oh, yep. I need to write another book. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, or maybe I'll interview you after, you know, all of your new podcasting going on. Uh, oh, so. yes. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much, Brian. And thank you, Brian. This has been incredible. So much Housewives that we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. The Ivory Tower Boiler Room consists of me, Andrew Rimby, Executive Director, Mary DePippi, Chief Contributor, and Jaron Usta, Marketing Director. I thank them all because without their help, the Ivory Tower Boiler Room would not be what it is. Also, please do donate 
and help support our public humanities mission. So the easiest way to donate is go to the bottom of the show notes, click that support link, and that's your easiest way to donate. We really appreciate it because we are all volunteers here within the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Please, while you're at it, follow us on Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room and on our Twitter page at Ivory Boiler Room. 